Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, April 6th, 2021. It has been 173 days since Tony nominations were announced. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. All right, everybody, this is going to be a slightly different episode. We are going to start the show with a few news stories, but then the back half or so of this episode, we're going to do a review roundtable on the Academy Award-nominated film The Father, which is based on the play of the same name which played Broadway in 2016. But before we get into the rest of the news, I did want to let everybody know that the um, Out of the Box Theater Company's production of the last five years, which I talked about a week or so ago, um, has been extended. It is returned. It is now streaming for another 16 performances Mm -hmm. um, from April 12th through the 25th. There are um, limited availability on tickets per performance due to contractual requirements, um, but it is fantastic. I reviewed it in a previous episode you can go check that out if you haven't seen it you really really should um also this week on this week on broadway julie halston is going to be their guest the great and the good julie halston so check that out if you want to be a part of that conversation or listen to the interview being recorded live head over to patreon.com slash broadway radio or if that's too confusing you can go to broadwayradio.com slash patreon all right everybody so let's start our news section with the story that's completely dominated theater discussions and this show today on Broadway since late last week. After the milk toast action plan that the LA Stage Alliance announced over the weekend, and which I railed against on yesterday's show, the organization behind LA's prestigious Ovation Awards announced on Monday that they would be ceasing operations effective immediately. <laughs> In a statement, they said, quote, It is with deep regret that the L.A. Stage Alliance Board of Governors has unanimously decided to cease all operations effective immediately. We have come to this conclusion with a heavy heart. Our intention has always been to represent and promote the entire Los Angeles theater community, but at this time, we are unable to continue. For the past 46 years, LASA has worked to acknowledge, support, and celebrate artists and theater communities and theaters from all communities. We believe in equality, diversity, and inclusion at all levels. As individuals, we are committed to continuing our support of this community, which we hold so so dear. We wish the entire theater community and its stakeholders continued success, yada, yada, yada. Ashley, Grace, this whole series of events just seems so bonkers to me. Uh, as a, like, I'm yeah. an outsider. I don't know anything about this organization. I mean, I've heard the Ovation Awards, of course. Um, but, you know, similar to what I said on yesterday's show, it looks like the Board of Governors are going out of their way to do everything that they possibly can think of not to deal with the actual issues and <laughs> yeah, toxicity exactly. at hand. They'd rather shut down than actually do anything. Exactly. Grace, what are your thoughts on uh, LASA completely just closing up shop? Not to be that person, but sounds like a man to me. Uh, <laughs> they're like, oh, this is the issue. Let's deal with I it. I love to, like, be no, to be that person. Yeah, it's just, it's. I mean, honestly, it's not shocking at all to me. It's disappointing. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, throw it out with the bathwater. You know, I, I don't need this. Mm-hmm. I need, I need uh, new things. I need things that work. And if these institutions aren't going to get their shit together, goodbye. That's, I mean, I don't, I don't care is my point. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, point. to me, the, the, the issues that happened last Thursday at the Ovation Awards with the mispronunciation and the misidentification mm-hmm. with the photo of Julie Lee and then the not dealing with the 
captioning or sign language stuff for Deaf West. Like that is a problem. But what their their response to that problem has shown me is that the issues go far beyond what could have been explained as a hurried mistake and, a, and something they regret. Yeah, 100%. Everything they've done since then has showed me just how toxic and and un uh, and, and them not being able to understand the issues uh, since then. That's been the biggest issue for me, Ashley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was an immediate, uh, immediately clear that they had no plan in place as far as like any kind of diversity practice or training or anything. It's like, well, we're done. That's that's all we can do is just shut everything down. There's nothing we can fix. We have no way to fix this. So we'll just do it this way. And it's embarrassing. It's especially over the past year. It's so embarrassing. And, and even more so over the past few months with you know, all these anti-Asian attacks and violence going on. Like, how 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 do you allow this to happen and then just shrug your shoulders and shut down? Yeah, and I, I've said multiple times, like, I hate calling for people's jobs, and I don't even know if there's anybody who works full-time for LASA. Like, it might be a part-time or volunteer organization. But, like, if your organization is so broken and so toxic that you can't come up with ways to actually fix your problems, then yeah. you're right, Grace. Go ahead and close down and something better um, will hopefully come and fill your spot. All right. So that's enough of that. I am washing my hands of LASA. Wash your hands of it just like they did with any responsibility. (laughs) Yes, very true. Um, And before we get into the rest of the news and our review of The Father, let's take a quick break to talk about our sponsor, Audible.com. Grace, I have no idea what Audible.com is. Please inform me what this wonderful sponsor does for our great listeners. Okay, well, you obviously don't listen to Broadway radio, but Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment all in one place. At Audible, you can find the largest selection of audiobooks, original entertainment, thousands of popular and binge-worthy podcasts. We know you're addicted to podcasts, so here you go. Their newest plan, Audible Plus, gives you full access to their popular Plus catalog. Now, you can listen all you want to thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of popular audiobooks, original entertainment, and podcasts, including ad-free versions of your favorite shows and exclusive series. Yeah, and what's so cool about this is, as we've talked about before, they have a huge collection of audio theater. And what I thought would be really fun is if I went through and searched their Audible archive for things written or translated by Christopher Hampton, who did the translation from the original French version of The Father into English and co-wrote the screenplay with the original playwright Florian Zeller. There are three, four, five um, audio productions of plays that Christopher Hampton has translated into English. There's Yasmina Reza's Art, starring Bob Balaban, Brian Cox, and Brian Perry. There's Yasmina Reza's God of Carnage with Simon Helberg from uh, Big Bang Theory, which was kind of surprising. Um, there's also a production of The of the Seagull with Callista Flockhart, T.R. Knight, and others. And there's another uh, Yasmina Reza play, uh, The Unexpected Man, starring David Suchet and Harriet Walter. There, If you love the work that uh, Hampton did with Zeller, a French playwright, um, and the father. Chances are you will love the work that Hampton does with another French playwright, Yasmina Reza, uh, and you can find three of those collaborations in Audible now. Yeah, so visit audible.com slash Broadway Radio or text Broadway Radio to 500 500. That's A U D I B L E dot com slash Broadway Radio or text Broadway Radio to 500 500. One more time, in case you needed to get a pencil or pen to write this down, visit audible.com slash Broadway Radio or text Broadway Radio to 500 500 to start your 30 day free trial today. 
All right, let's get back into the news. On Sunday, the Screen Actors Guild announced their annual awards winners, and as always, theater actors were well represented. Let's run through those winners really quickly. In the outstanding performance by a cast in a motion picture, the winner was Netflix's The Trial of the Chicago 7, which has uh, a number of theater folks in there. Eddie Redmayne, Alex Sharp, Jeremy Strong, Noah Robbins, Mark Rylance, and others. And of course, it was written by Aaron Sorkin, who has done a ton uh, on stage as well. Outstanding performance by a female actor in a leading role, Viola Davis, for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Outstanding performance by a male actor in a leading role, Chadwick Boseman, for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Outstanding performance by a female actor in a supporting role is Yoo Jung Yoon for Minari. Outstanding performance by a male actor in a supporting role, Daniel Kulaya, who was great in his monologue on SNL this week for Judas and the Black Messiah. Outstanding performance by an ensemble in a comedy series went to Schitt's Creek. Outstanding performance by an ensemble in a drama series went to The Crown, and that's pretty much all British theater people there. Uh, except for <laughs> except for Gillian Anderson, who's an American theater person. She Correct. won for Outstanding Performance by a Female Actor in a Drama Series. Outstanding Performance by a Male Actor in a Drama Series, Jason Bateman for Ozark. Outstanding performance by a female actor in a comedy series went to Catherine O'Hara for Schitt's Creek. Outstanding performance by a male actor in a comedy series went to the fantastic Jason Sudeikis in Ted Lasso. Of course, he appeared <laughs> off-Broadway in the <laughs> stage adaptation of, of Dead Poet of Society. Dead Poet Society. Thank you. I yeah. couldn't think of that. Um, Grace, I, I'm going off script here a little bit. You had said you were going to start Ted Lasso. Did you ever do it? Um, no, but it's literally, no, no, no. It's not that I'm not doing it. I literally last week with the, with the Space Jam 2 trailer releasing, I needed a week to, you know, <laughs> sit down. Right. Makes um, sense because, to me. Yeah. 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 I agree. Oh, I, I laughed because I'm the same. I also said I was going to watch that. I still haven't gotten a chance yet. So I'm excited. We're going to watch it, Ashley. We're going to yeah, watch you it. I'm excited it. about it. Um, Ashley, was there anything in these I, winners that you were especially happy or not so happy about? I mean, I'm literally sitting here wearing a Shit's Creek shirt, so uh, always Shit's Creek stuff. Always thrilled about that. We've talked about a few of these on the show so far, and especially Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and how much we love that. So I'm always thrilled to see Viola Davis win awards and also very Best thrilled to... Yes, agreed, 100%. I will shout it from every rooftop imaginable. But also Chadwick Boseman, which, uh, as we've already said, very bittersweet anytime he's won awards this season, but very well-deserved. Yeah. Grace, anything from you that, uh, that stands out for you? Anytime um, anything wins from Minari, I literally cry. It's so oh, embarrassing. Yeah. I literally just sit there and I'm like, thank you. This is important. Oh. This is recognized. Because it's also an incredible film and I want everyone to watch it. It's on A24 to stream at any time. If you don't uh, follow Alan Kim on Instagram, you're missing out. And that's all I'm going to say on that. Because next week when you guys talk to me, you guys better have seen that film. Oh, that's it'll it. be done. It'll be done. All right. So uh, Minari is one of the Academy Award nominated Best Picture films films. The only Best Picture nominee that I have seen is The Father, which we're going to talk about now. Um, this is, of course, the film adaptation of Florian Zeller and Christopher Hampton's play of the same name. Zeller, who directs the film, originally wrote it as a play in French, which is, and it was also based on some of his own life experiences, and Hampton translated it into English before it played the West End in 2015, and then Broadway the following year. In New York, it starred Frank Langella and Catherine Irby. Hampton and Zeller co collaborated on the screenplay, and Anthony Hopkins plays the titular father, 
who, interestingly enough, was called Andre in the play, but is now known as Anthony or Antony in the mm-hmm. in the film. Also, when Anthony is asked his birth date, they actually used Anthony, Anthony Hopkins, Hopkins. Yeah. <laughs> real birthday. Um, his daughter in the film, Anne, is played by uh, SAG nominee uh, Olivia Colman uh, from The Crown. Uh, the film is nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. As I said, Hopkins and Colman are both also nominated, as are Zeller and Hampton for Adapted Screenplay. The Father is also nominated for Editing and Production Design as well, which are incredibly well-deserved. The official description of the film reads thusly, Anthony is 80, mischievous, living defiantly alone and rejecting the carers that his daughter Anne encouragingly introduces. Yet, help is also becoming a necessity for Anne. She can't make daily visits anymore, and Anthony's uh, grip on reality is unraveling. As we experience the ebb and flow of his memory, how much of his own identity and past can Anthony cling to? How does Anne cope as she grieves the loss of her father while he still lives and breathes before her? Now, before we get into discussing the film, I wanted to mention that friend of the show, Ashley Lee, wrote a tremendous piece in the Los Angeles Times about how the film helped kind of clarify her relationship with her own father, who is fortunately not suffering from dementia. But read the piece. It is great. We will link to it in the show notes as well as a review roundup should you desire more reading homework. Now, obviously, as we always do, we will be getting into spoilers as we discuss the film. But before we do, Grace and Ashley, I'd like to just get your brief sentence or two or three thumbnail reactions to the film so that if people want to avoid spoilers, they can at least know all of our general thoughts. Ashley, let's start with you. Sum it up, keep it quick, um, and then we'll move into the spoilery discussion. So my Monday afternoon started with reading the play, and then I watched the movie, and then five minutes later started recording this episode. So I am physically and emotionally exhausted and nauseous after all of that. But I mean that in the best possible way. Okay. Grace, uh, follow that up uh, with uh, maybe maybe some more nausea or indigestion maybe this time. Upset stomach, diarrhea. Diarrhea. Hey, Pepto-Bismol. Um, here's the thing. Uh, what a perfect adaptation, another perfect adaptation of seeing a play come to a film. You know, like I, I think mm-hmm. that we we've been talking about a lot of it on the show. Like we, we experienced the same with thing with uh, One Night in Miami, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Mm-hmm. And then here again, I thought, wow, what a perfect way for me to go i want i want a theater to do that play right now after seeing Mm -hmm. that so um for theater listeners that are listening to this um i think it's it's well worth your time it's it's a short watch it it didn't drag on it you know like there with tough subject matter like night mother i always equate it to that where it's like you don't want that to go on two hours my guy so this to me was uh, within a good time frame highly recommend it okay um, for me, I respected and appreciated just about everything about the father, tremendously so. Yeah. Uh, and the performances were unsurprisingly exceptional, and there were moments that were very impactful, and I might have even teared up a few, uh, mm-hmm. a few of, uh, had a few of them. But on the whole, mm-hmm. it left me cold. I, ah. I remember one of my favorite James Marino reviews was of the play Constellations by Nick Payne, mm-hmm. starring mm-hmm. Jake Gillian Hale. Jill, mm. uh, yeah, that's J- it. Uh, and, yeah, and Ruth Wilson. And what James essentially said was that it was just an acting game stretched into a 70-minute play. 
I kind of feel like The Father is a Kafka short story stretched into an hour and 37 minute film. So I'm happy that I watched it and I understand what makes it great. Like I can talk about all of like the production design and the and the Mm -hmm. choices and all those things and the acting and they are all great. But if they if they would have entered this in the live action short category, Uh, it probably would have worked a lot better for me at something that was 37 minutes rather than an hour and 37 minutes. Interesting. I I don't think that it needed that much time to say what they were saying. I really don't. And and I don't think that like no offense to Anthony, he's definitely not like listening to the graces review and thinking I've got to (laughs) rethink this shit. I need to take a master class. But (laughs) I mean, like, yeah, he, he got it. He got it done in front of us within that amount of time, Matt. So I, I honestly agree with you. I don't think that we we needed even the uh, the one hour thirty seven minutes of it all. Yeah. Interesting. I disagree, but we'll get to that. Yeah, I guess. we can get to that. So let's get into the spoilery uh, part of the discussion. So if you don't want any spoilers. I don't know that there's a ton to actually spoil. I mean, there is, but I mean, it, it, it's kind of inconsequential to the, to what Correct. the film is. Uh, but there will be spoiler discussions from here on out. So, um, let's start by talking about the performances. Um, and Grace, I'll start with you this time. Um, Olivia Coleman and Olivia Williams, as well as the rest of the cast, which features Tony nominee Rufus Sewell, Doctor Who writer and Sherlock co-creator and co-star Mark Gaddis and Imogen Poots. They're all fantastic, but this, film, as you kind of mentioned just a second ago, is Anthony Hopkins' film. Like, he is the center uh, of this film and, and is very much told through his perspective, which can be sad, can be scary, which can be angry, which can be paranoid. Uh, and really, I think any discussion about it has to start with his performance. So what did you think about Mr. Anthony? I need to take a masterclass Hopkins. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> dementia's a bitch. Like you killed it. You know, I mean, I- I've I've personally watched uh, all four of my grandparents pass away and and deal with this. Literally, like um, Alzheimer's uh, is is no joke. Um, I don't know exactly if that's that the right take on what was happening yeah. in this story. It's never clarified. Yeah. It's never clarified, um, but also watching, watching, watching any type of abuse uh, play out on a person. Because spoiler, I mean, we, you've already said that, so I don't have to say that. Um, but watching that play out on anybody and watching their PTSD of it all, and not knowing the timeline, we think we know the timeline by the end of the film um, of who that might be mm. or what that might be, or if it even ever happened at all. Whatever, I, I have my suspicions. Um, but watching someone do that is very hard because they can play it very stale and very like this is what it feels you know it it just can be very performative and i don't think he did that at all i think he did a great job of storytelling in that manner uh yeah he's the father so it's his performance (laughs) and um again i agree with you i think that condense it down into 30 minutes and it would have had more impact versus watching him having to do the same things over and over which i guess is part of the plot in and of itself to like not, yeah, the not spiraling and everything. Right, yeah, exactly. right. So, Ashley, you disagreed with the length mm. discussion um, on this. So, convince me that I am wrong and that it needed to be an hour and a half um, to really get the full <laughs> impact of what Anthony was going going. I mean, through. this isn't debate team, so I'm not here to convince you. Okay, right. uh, but I mean, that what Grace said at the end there of like, um, you know, seeing 
play out in so many different ways that I think that was the point because you have this whole obsessiveness to it with his watch, especially with this watch. So you see, you know, he keeps going back to his watch, looking for his watch. It's usually in the same place. Did someone steal it? And it's this increasing paranoia. So you're seeing in some instances scenes replay in the same way. So you had like the dinner scene where you see it twice, um, like the very end of it and then the replay of it. Everything in the play, like the written play plays out the exact same way as the movie. The play actually, um, because I've never seen it on stage. I didn't get to see the last uh, performance of it, the last production of it. Um, So this was my first time reading it. And there were actually a couple more scenes in the play that didn't make it Mm -hmm. in or they were changed in some way. Um, Though I think most of the dialogue stayed the same. Yeah, uh, Hopkins has been my favorite actor really? since I was a kid. Yeah, because oh. Silence, Silence of the Lambs was my favorite film as a kid. Exactly. Right. Well, that's good. Um, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so I, I'm also, you know, trying to separate as far as like this is my favorite actor doing what he does best. Um, yeah. And I think this is kind of like the best. This uh, to me, this was obviously he's ridiculously talented and doesn't need anyone to tell him that at this point, but I think this is the best use of his acting skills. I know I read a piece in entertainment uh, weekly with Zeller who said that he wanted to use like his own mortality to get to the places that he went for everything. And you really see that at the end, which was so much more impactful than what I read on the page. I thought really? what I saw in the, in, in the play from what I read, it, I was blown away by what I saw on the screen. Yeah. What, what, uh, and I don't think this is a, a surprising connection that I made, but what I kept kind of flashing to was I was watching this with Anthony Hopkins performance was that of Elaine May in the Waverly gallery. I a hundred percent. I mean, two people who are so lost in this character who just feels lost uh, mm-hmm. in so many ways that are obviously delivering such epic acting performances that, um, it really kind of blows your mind that like, oh, wait, yeah, they really aren't suffering from dementia. They're just that good at communicating the confusion and the paranoia and all of that stuff. Yeah. And that's, that's also like, that's why I think the length is right of it. I think there's, and why I'm also coming into this, just like nauseous and exhausted. Mm -hmm. I think there's an awful tension to memory plays when they're done right and you mentioned the waverly gallery which i was just uh in a state after i saw it i was numb after i saw it and so much of that was elaine may's performance but also the writing they're just exhausting pieces (laughs) i think this these this was an exhausting play and i say that it was the ultimate compliment is i think that it was done right like you have this paranoia and you have this obsessiveness and you're seeing the same things over and over again from an un reliable narrator i mean you're seeing some of his daughter's uh you know side of things but then you see the end where he's you know really you know the climax of everything where he really just breaks down and that's the closest you get to clarity everything else is an unreliable narrator yeah we talk about anthony hopkins but i do think it's worth you know discussing olivia coleman's performance a little bit because as we know she's one of the best uh actors in the world as well but there was a moment 
Yeah, there were a couple moments that kind of uh, piece together. It's this really kind of subtle and sad and bittersweet moment that I think is easy to overlook, but really mm. hit me. So throughout the film, Anthony is speaking very lovingly about his younger daughter, Lucy, and, his, and Olivia Coleman plays his older mm. daughter, Anne. Um, and he keeps talking about how he wishes Lucy would come and visit him. And even at one point says in front of Anne that Lucy was his favorite. Yes. Um, and we mm-hmm. know through some of the other things that happened that, um, Lucy was in an accident and died. Um, so she's not coming, but, um, I guess at about like maybe three quarters of the way through the film, Anthony is telling his son-in-law or his caregiver. I can't remember which one it was, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, um, that Lucy used to call him little daddy and he gets really loving and kind of giddy and tickled by that story. And it clearly meant a lot to him. He be- goes from being this kind of sad, angry, paranoid guy to really kind of just becoming this big teddy bear talking about how mm-hmm. Lucy used to call him little daddy. Um, however, in one of the final scenes, uh, mm-hmm. between Anne and Anthony, uh, Anthony's really kind of upset and they sit down on the couch and Anne is trying to comfort him and she's calling him little daddy. And my yeah. goosebumps talking about it because f- for whatever reason, that really got me that even with his daughter that is taking care of him, he's confused about the history so much that he is not appreciating their relationship before that. And he's not appreciating her in the moment as to what she's doing for them. Although there is one Definitely. moment where he does say like, thank you for everything. Anne. and that's the only kind of recognition which is added, which is in the movie really. and not in the play. Oh, yeah. interesting. But, but the way that, that Olivia Coleman reacted to both of those scenes, the, the pain on her face when he said that Lucy was her, was his favorite. Yeah. And then the, the, the comfort that she still gives him in that scene where she calls him little daddy. It was, um, that was what was striking uh, to me, Grace. Um, what did you think about the rest of the ensemble, uh, Olivia Coleman included, uh, outside of, uh, of Anthony Hopkins' performance? What difficult jobs they had to have all of this duality of, you know, we're seeing it from his perspective and then we're seeing them outside of that. And and I just thought they all did a great job of like grounding us in every single scene, to be frank. That that's all I want to say about it. It's just that I was I was really mm-hmm. impressed that it, they weren't like, let me take this moment <laughs> to, <laughs> you know, do the scene. And it was just like, no, it was about him. And and for sure. They, yeah. they they made us see uh whatever personification he was giving them perfectly. Mm, yeah. I kind of want to go off of that. I think everything in the supporting cast, including Olivia, who is technically a lead, but everything in this, everyone in the supporting cast was just really subtle because they're not taking away from that titular father character. Reading the play right before the movie, I really got to appreciate Olivia's facial expressions, especially Um, even from the first time that she felt not slighted, but, you know, his first instance of he's clearly been repeating himself you there's this twitch mm-hmm. that you see in her face and i was like oh yeah this is this is going to be good this is the way this is the way i want to see this done there are certain scenes and you mentioned them that were just like bittersweet like i said the elevator scene where he oh, thanks mm-hmm. her uh for everything which you know, seemed to break up him being an asshole with the compliment of his <laughs> a compliment of her hair and just like a moment of normalcy of like oh yes they are they do have a loving relationship and it's just clearly gone to pot. Um, and also that I, 
pretty sure 99 percent sure like the helping with the sweater scene where he was getting yeah. caught mm-hmm. up in a sweater was also something that was added so it's just like these really bittersweet moments that you can tell they've had a loving relationship and things have just kind of gone down downhill as he's gone downhill it's just yeah. really heartbreaking reading ashley lee's piece that i mentioned a few minutes ago she noted that the stage play is considerably funnier um and it might just be that there are moments where the you know they're allowed to laugh a little bit more and she also said it was quicker mm-hmm. she said the film is a little bit more um and I think you can do this with film. It focuses more on those expressions. So it's, it seems like there's a lot more space for things to breathe yeah. than there is on stage, which makes sense. That's how, you know, a lot of the differences between plays and movies are. But, um, in addition to the, you know, the cast, and I hate when people say things like this, but I'm going to say it anyway. There is an additional cast member that plays an important mm-hmm. role, uh, in here that is not one of the actors. And that is the flat itself that they are yeah. in. And, what I think is so brilliant about it is is that, especially being the HGTV um, interior decorating guru that <laughs> I am, um, mm-hmm. it is so interesting to me how the flat subtly changes from scene to scene because, as you've mentioned, it is a fractured narrative. It is not going necessarily in chronological time. Things are bouncing back and forth between memories and his confusion. Um, and the, the flat just kind of changes ever so slightly, um, from, you know, from one moment to the next. And it can happen mm-hmm. within like the turn of a corner. It can be, it's the same place. Um, but it's not the same place. And I think that that was really, really elegantly done. And I'm very glad that they are recognized with the Academy Award nomination there. Yeah, you really see that, as you mentioned. Yeah, you mentioned that at the beginning that you were really happy to see that production design was something that was nominated. And I absolutely agree with you. And that was something I was going in in the movie really focused on because they mentioned in the notes at the beginning of every scene, like, this is how the apartment's different. It's steadily changing. It's become em- It's becoming emptier. There's a new piece of furniture here um and you see that in the movie i I think the biggest thing that you notice is his bedroom and just like Mm -hmm. there's the missing headboard but everything else looks the same the seat he's always looking out the window so the seat the outside is different and also changing or it's it's the same but also changing i and then you have like light changes as well that was like you know spotlights on uh Anne in the kitchen essentially i just thought it was so well done i think you mentioned like you see more of their facial expressions on film where you tend to see more of the scenery and the set design when you're seeing it on stage i'm glad that they didn't leave that kind of quote unquote character behind in the translation yeah. All right. Let's wrap up um, our discussion here with just any kind of final parting thoughts about the father. Grace, is there anything else that you wanted to mention or note that we have not gotten to yet before we uh, close out the show for today? Ashley, as a resident dramaturg. Oh, God. Read- <laughs> no, I'm curious no. because I think I'm always like looking for shit. Like, I think mm. I'm always being like, could this mean this? And it's like, no, bitch, just yeah. watch it. Well, welcome um, to me with WandaVision. Oh, oh gosh. Well, that God. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So then both of you, both of you. Um, two questions because you've already talked about spoilers. I can just say those. Um, one, <laughs> do we think, because this is what I took from it. Do we think that he got the daughter in the car accident like is he the reason that she 
is no longer with us a because uh, of, hmm. because of his dementia and all those things because that's what when when we saw him running into the, like the hospital room and yeah. her yelling for him that's what i felt like this is his fault and that's why there's so much pain in olivia coleman i don't know about that about her so i, I think that's a reach number one and then number two <laughs> the the male attendant in the in the final scene mm-hmm. um was do we think that that was the elder abuse situation that he is dealing with currently so as far as the first scene um I I actually with him running into the hospital, I I actually kind of had a problem with that. I thought it was a little unnecessary because again, not in the play, something they added for the movie. Uh, the whole play slash movie is like this one big memory unlock, both for him but also for the reader, the viewer, whatever. And I think that's the beauty of the way it's written is that you're unlocking pieces of the story on your your own, and that one felt pretty spelled out the only thing i can really connect that to is i don't i don't think he caused it i think you could certainly interpret it that way and play it out that way but i think it was trying to like uh, at least somewhat connected of like she's calling for his her father and then at the end he's calling for his mother Mm, okay and, and i don't understand the the, the question about mark gaddis's uh, attendant character i didn't get any inclination of there being elder abuse uh, in this story, did I miss something? Oh, I'm, I, yeah, all the all the scenes where he's um, the, the other men are saying like, when are you gonna get out of here? And then he starts uh, phys- like attacking him, and then Anthony oh. like winces and freaks out. At the very end, that's the it's the same guy. I don't know that point. I was. I don't know that I'm interpreting it like that either. I think that was more. I mean, it could have been as well. I I, I think a lot of this play is open to interpretation in mm-hmm. general because it's so not confusing. I think confusing is kind of a derogatory term of it, but it, it certainly can be convoluted. I was looking at it more just like he was in his moments of clarity, he was feeling like a burden. So that was kind of what he well, was hearing himself. I just, I took it because we had that reveal at the end that that guy was one of the attendants that they were letting yeah. us know that like, Oh, he that that's what he's dealing with. Well, the only reason that I would that I would not uh, see that is because I feel like that last scene in the home is as clear and un uh, to use Ashley's word yeah. convoluted moment that we get in the entire thing. Um, and I feel like that is the truth of what was actually happening in that moment. Whereas I think a lot of the convoluted in the, in the scene, Mark Gaddis plays kind of the, the attendant at the end, but also is kind of one of the semi son-in-law back and forth transitional ghosty characters. And he, and he slaps him a a few times. And so is the other female attendant, which she confuses. Yeah. Which she doesn't recognize. I don't just didn't remember what her name was in the film because it was different in the, play as well yeah yeah, um yeah, yeah yeah um but yeah it was just like he was confusing her as Anne or not being able to recognize her so i think it was just like you know the wires were crossed and he was but, seeing yeah but i actually think that if that did happen if that was a real thing which i think it probably was because he wasn't mm. making stuff up in his memory i would imagine that that was right. actually Rufus Sewell's character of Paul, who was Olivia Coleman Anne's husband, and I would not be surprised if yeah, that, I think so. if that was the reason that they ended up getting the divorce. That's kind of where I took it. 
Because he was mean looking. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Tony, <laughs> to, Tony nominee Rufus Sewell. He uh, was a Tony nominee for um, uh, uh, rock, uh, Tom Stoppard's uh, Rock and Roll. Also was on Broadway mm. in Arcadia as well. But um, yeah, so I kind of took it as he had misremembered which one actually did the hitting, but it was actually the real life son-in-law um, that did it. And then that led to the divorce, it's which possible. may or may not have happened or whatever. But, but yeah, uh, I agree with you. I do think that that final scene was that was all clarity because even yeah. uh, his female attendant says, you know, we have to go out while the sun's out because it's so fleeting. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, the coded, yeah. coded way of saying, yeah. you're this die. is your mo- the, well, also, but that also this is your moment of clarity. You're and this moment. is yeah. you're in the moment and you we have to take advantage of that. Yeah. All right. Well, that was an interesting discussion, much different than our um, uh, our previous ones. But I like that. It's a different kind yeah. of film. It's a different kind of uh, stage to screen adaptation. So let us know what you thought of The Father. It is currently available to stream on Amazon Video. It is a 1999 rental. Um, I don't know if it eventually will end up on uh, on Prime Video as part of the subscription or not, but it is available via video on demand there now. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. Let us know what you think of The Father there. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. Ashley, where where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This is Ashley. Grace? At It's Grace Aki on Twitter and Instagram at all times. There you go. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful Tuesday. And I think Grace and I will be back to talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>